Howdy everyone, I'm Corbin Gregg. And I'm Kate Galliford. This year marks the 40th anniversary of The Observer, and to celebrate, we invited former managing editor of The Observer and current social media editor for New York Magazine, Joe D'Alessio, on to talk about his time at The Observer and how the field of journalism has evolved since he graduated in 2006. This is Retrospect, the official podcast of the Fordham Observer. We are now joined by Joe D'Alessio. Joe, thanks so much for coming on Retrospect today to talk to us. We're really excited to have you on. Thank you for having me. First off, we'd love to hear about how you first got involved with The Observer and your time at The Observer and all of the different positions that you held. Sure. So I joined The Observer in the spring of my freshman year and was a staff writer for the features section for a year and a half. Um, in my junior year, I became the co-features editor. And then in my senior year, I was the managing editor. How did your time with The Observer influence your decision to become a journalist after graduating? Did you kind of come into Fordham with the intention of being a journalist after graduation or... Did working with The Observer solidify that for you? Yeah, both of those things. I, I came in hoping to become a journalist. Intend is almost too strong a word because, you know, it's a, it's a tough industry and, I you know, you, you never quite know what you're going to do exactly when you enter college. But I had the goal of becoming a journalist and certainly being on The Observer solidified that and I think made it a realistic thing. You know, I think it, it, it was great experience and met contacts and, um, you know, all the things that you kind of, can, can do to prepare yourself for a career professionally, I was able to do while I was at Fordham. And uh, so I was sort of in a position to get a job out of college and then go from there. So you're currently one of the social media editors for New York Magazine. Can you tell us more about your position there? Uh, what a typical day of work might look like for you? Sure. So I've been at New York for almost 15 years. It'll be 15 years next month. Um, I've had a number of different roles over the years, including ones that were purely writing and others that were sort of a hybrid of different things. And the role I'm in now is the social media editor, which um, my particular role on the team is I oversee our presence on Twitter and Facebook for the New York Magazine accounts. And that's you know, basically anything that goes on those accounts will go through me, whether it's, you know, making sure that we're showcasing the best of our work to translating it to those platforms, to storytelling on those platforms and producing original content, whether it's videos or chats with writers or different things. So there's a number of different ways that we sort of have a presence on those platforms. Starting out as a writer, obviously, that's a very particular like role within journalism, like features writing that you did at The Observer or just different forms of writing. How do you see yourself working in journalism? as like a social media editor and the different kind of roles that have developed around like technology and those types of things? So my role, like you said, has evolved quite a bit over the years. You know, one of the things I was doing early on is I was really interested in writing about sports and there was limited opportunities at, at New York Magazine to do that, but it was something I did a little bit on The Observer and was interested in doing. And over time sort of carved out a, a role for myself at the magazine where I was actually doing that at one point full time, which is probably more than we needed to be doing sports. So we were doing a ton of it at the time and that was great for me, but um, that role sort of evolved as the needs of the magazine changed where I was writing less about sports and doing other things, sometimes writing about other things. And then the opportunity came up to kind of change gears entirely. Again, just the company had a, a position open and asked me, um, would this be something you'd be interested in? And it was an interesting opportunity and I jumped at it. 
So you graduated from Fordham in 2006, and coincidentally, you were the managing editor for The Observer during their 25th anniversary, and now we get to have you on as we celebrate our 40th. I can only imagine how much you've seen the field of journalism evolve over the years with the popularization of social media and kind of the decline in popularity of purely print journalism. So what was it like to try and get into this field as a professional during a time of such drastic change? What specific changes did you see to the way that newspapers and magazines in their approaches to branding and marketing and the content they were creating, that sort of thing? Sure. So 2006 was actually a really exciting time to be graduating because that was when a lot of places were starting to really put resources into their digital operation. Um, when I started at New York Magazine, when I was interning at New York Magazine, this is 2005 into the first part of 2006, you know, the website was not anything like it looks like today. Um, it had, you know, content from the print magazine, but also, um, but the original content online was mostly in sort of service type pieces. It was, you know, roundups for nightlife and listings for stores and restaurants and, you know, visitors guides with hotels and things to do and guides around different holidays, you know, what to do for Valentine's Day or where to watch the Super Bowl or things like that. You know, not anything like New York Magazine looks like now. And that was the year that they started building out their blogs and the blogs that were, you know, very traditional sort of blogs at the time are now these like fully fledged websites with staffs and, you know, editors. And uh, they really developed over time into these really great things. But at the time, it was just like the start of everything. And it was a really exciting time to be kind of getting into it. And then to sort of answer your second question about sort of how things have changed. If you look back at, in 2006, there was sort of, I think, a pretty good divide between print, which was like the flagship product of, of really any publication and the website, which was certainly to begin with a sort of separate thing and growing, but not maybe on the same level in terms of the resources being put into it. And that gap has, you know, just about been eliminated almost everywhere where there's you know, a lot of interplay between the print side and the digital side. And there's in some cases really no difference. It's the same. And certainly in, you know, we're in New York Magazine, people are writing for print and writing for web and people are editing for one and for the other. And, you know, people might have roles that lean one way or the other, but there's, there's not the same, you know, I think again, going back more generally, there was, like I said, the print was definitely seen as the sort of main product. And then the website was this cool growing thing that hadn't fully developed. And I think you're starting to really see it fully develop. Um, you know, we have big features that run online before they run in print. We have big features that run in online only. Um, and there's lots of lots of things like that, which have been happening more and more, which is a really, a really cool thing. And then in terms of, you know, marketing and things like that, it, that's all kind of not quite my area of expertise, but obviously there have been all sorts of changes in consumer behavior in terms of reading print publications versus reading on a phone or reading on a laptop or something like that or a tablet. And then also changes in like the advertising world where, you know, advertising is so different now than it was 20 years ago where, you know, Facebook and Google own so much of the share in terms of um, online advertising that it just sort of has changed the dynamic, a lot of those things. And I think you're seeing a lot of places understand that you know, a subscription model makes a lot of sense because if you're going to pay to read something in print, you should also pay to read it online. So that's where I think you're seeing that more and more. And I think it makes a lot of sense. And it, like I said, the, the, the divide between print and the web is really a lot different than it was, you know, 20 years ago. Another thing that you kind of touched on there at the beginning was early internet, like the rise of blogs, those types of things, and more kind of independent works that like exist online. How do you see that fitting into 
the greater like media ecosystem or the greater like journalist kind of landscape that has developed over the past 15 to 20 years? So these things kind of have waves, you know, there was a time when you had people writing for big websites and then you had some people kind of getting discovered by writing blogs or, or writing sort of independent websites, whatever you want to call them. And then there was another wave where you could sort of get noticed by writing things on social media or posting things on social media. And then you could write a publication, but also kind of make a name for yourself as a sort of pundit on, on social. You know, you're, you're now seeing a sort of a new phase where people who are now established journalists at big publications will then go and kind of strike out on their own, kind of going back the other way and have, you know, a newsletter that they will kind of get subscribers for just for them, as opposed to, you know, working with other people at a publication and having people pay to read that. They might pay a smaller amount just to read one person or might pay a smaller amount to each of six people or something like that. So there's always some changes in, in how people can sort of strike it on their own versus work within a bigger organization. And I think that's just what the sort of modern version of that looks like now. And it'll probably be something entirely different, you know, five years from now. You spoke a lot to these shifts and like the rise of like digital media and these types of things. Generally, has the shift towards tr digital journalism been more of a good thing, a bad thing, or both? And obviously you're employed as a social media editor and we're podcast hosts. So we obviously I'll see some sort of good in it, right? But do you think that there are any drawbacks to the way that we do things now or the way people consume media now or what the advantages of that are? Well, I mean, I think it's largely good. I mean, the fact that there's just so much good content out there, whether it's written, whether it's spoken, whether it's in print or digital. I mean, there's so many opportunities for people to produce, I hate the word content, but to produce great content, right? There are there were many more gatekeepers once upon a time where you could appear in one of a handful of printed magazines or newspapers, and that was pretty much your only options. Now there's lots of outlets to write for, lots of ways to get your name out there. So that, that, that's all good the you know the introduction of audio to sort of this landscape is excellent again you know how many radio shows were there you know not not many there's a limited number of bandwidth um whereas now there's so many opportunities to to do that sort of thing so that's all great you know obviously there are you know potential pitfalls of, of social media we we've seen that over the last several years the rise of sorts of things. Um, but on balance, I think for journalism, it's been a great thing. There's lots of great journalism being produced every day. Now there's a separate question about the business side of things, which again is not my area. And obviously the business models of journalism are very different than they were 40 years ago or whatever. Um, and that's something I can't speak to a whole lot, but certainly in terms of like for a consumer, there's so much great stuff out there to read that the current landscape is fantastic. Our podcast retrospect is still a pretty new addition to The Observer, and it's just a handful of years old. And Corbett and I have spent a lot of time this year kind of figuring out where a news podcast fits in with the rest of The Observer and what we can do to attract a different audience. And increasingly, we are seeing other news outlets and papers, and like we were saying, even just basically anyone who has the means starting their own podcasts or branching into digital journalism and digital content in a multitude of ways with podcasting being just one example of how newspapers are expanding more and more into the digital world. So as someone who 
is very involved in digital journalism and who works for a major magazine. Do you kind of have any predictions for where journalism might go in the next five or 10 years or kind of where you see print journalism versus digital journalism ending up in just the next handful of years? Sure. So, I mean, in terms of digital versus, say, print, I think you'll see the trends we've been seeing continue. Obviously, the the continued importance of digital in any publication, particularly one that has a, a print component. I think you'll see places that don't have a print component and never did pop up and be really successful. And I think places that do have that print component will continue to sort of reimagine what that means and what how they can make that a sort of, you know, what, what can be done in print that maybe doesn't work as well in digital or what makes a print publication kind of a, a standalone thing that also kind of complements a digital side. So there's lots of considerations there. Um, I think the most important thing, and this is a trend you'll sort of see continue regardless of what exactly happens on any individual platform is the continued importance of sort of meeting the reader where they are. You know, if there are readers who want to consume their news by scrolling Twitter, you'll see news outlets there. If they want to do it while they're on Instagram, they kind of get news and information and whatever from news outlets on Instagram. It'll News outlets will be there. If it's newsletters, the news outlets will be there. So I think it's just really important to understand like where people are, how are they consuming the news now? You know, when I was in college, I would pay 50 cents and read the daily news on the, you know, on the L train. And that's how I consumed news. Um, that's not how I consume news anymore now. 10 years from now, I'm sure people will consume news differently than I do now. So, and I'm sure I will too. So it's just a really kind of a, just a constant reevaluation of like, where are the readers? How are they getting their news? And what's the sort of best way to kind of deliver it to them? I think we're all, as we're like kind of talking about digital journalism and either the decline of print, which I agree, I don't think is going to completely go away. But as we kind of like, all of us are drawn into like digital entertainment or digital media or digital journalism or digital news. And we see like everybody either across the country or world kind of focused on like the same stories or the same major sites. Um, I feel like there's kind of been a decline in like focus on local news or local issues. And obviously we're in New York, so it's kind of different where we have like large New York institutions. You work at New York Magazine. Obviously like the New York Times has like specific dedicated focus on like New York politics a lot of the time. Um, But how do you kind of see that changing or evolving uh, with different local publications, like either across the United States or how people consume news more generally? Is there like a risk of people focusing too much on like these larger stories that are like more consumable by everybody in the United States or the world versus things that are happening like at their doorstep? Yeah, that's a great question. And that's a really important question because the sort of existence of local news is so important to the sort of journalism ecosystem, both in terms of keeping people informed about the, you know, what's going on immediately around them, and also for surfacing all of kinds of stories that might be of interest to the national press and might be of interest to the readers of, you know, all around the country that the big big outlets wouldn't have the resources to kind of dig and find. So there's all sorts of reasons that's important. Um, you know, the million dollar question um, is how to how to keep that going in an, you know, in an ecosystem that, you know, relies to some degree on things like Facebook or on social media and where, like you said, 
those local stores aren't necessarily the thing that's going to drive the most number of people. Um, there are places that are doing it. There are, even in New York, there are outlets like, like the city.myc, which do really great reporting. And, you know, I think there are a lot of people trying to figure out exactly what that model looks like. You know, it's, it's certainly among journalists, it's certainly not for a lack of wanting that to happen. I think if you ask any journalist, they'll tell you that local reporting and local news is so important. It's just a question of making that work, whether it's perhaps some sort of nonprofit model or maybe maybe Facebook. I mean, I know Facebook, um, I keep mentioning Facebook because they're they're kind of they drive they can drive lots of people to stories from from their newsfeed. Um, they've at various times kind of highlight local stories when possible. So there's a lot of things that people have thought about and are thinking about and will be thinking about to make local journalism more uh, sustainable. Um, and I think, like I said, there's certainly it's certainly not for a lack of desire on the part of journalists, because I think everyone would agree that it's extremely important. Thank you so much for coming on. It was really great to hear from you. You gave us so much great insight. Obviously, Corbin and I are really invested in the idea of digital journalism. So it was great to hear from you about that. And good to just have you back to be able to talk about The Observer. So thank you so much for making the time and coming on. We appreciate it. Thank you for having me. This has been Retrospect. Thanks again to Joe for coming on today and talking with us about digital journalism and his time with The Observer. For more 40th anniversary content, including archival pieces spanning all 40 years of The Observer's history, as well as new projects, including a really lovely story written by one of our current features editors, Samantha Matthews, about how Joe met his wife, Natalie, during their time as co-editors at The Observer, visit FordhamObserver.com and consider ordering a copy of our very special 40th anniversary magazine. Until next time, I'm Kate Galliford. And I'm Corbin Gregg. As always, stay safe, take care of yourselves, and we'll see you again next week for Corbin's very last episode as Retrospect host.